Hello, this is Miss Capano and it's August 1st, 2020. And we're gonna do a study on, um, in, in John 6. And uh, it starts off with, um, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And a huge crowd followed kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration and Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to him to look for him. Okay, let's stop right there because I want to go over this verse by verse. Uh, one of the things we're still doing is looking for the gospel of God, the right. pure gospel of God in this. And so we're going directly to the sources of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was God walking on earth in the flesh mm -hmm. at the time. He and the Father were one. So his words take precedence over all other words. And what I mean by that is there is no conflicts in the New Testament. There is no conflicts in the Old Testament. It's all written by the same spirit. Where conflicts come in is man, man's interpretation. And so they'll take a Pauline epistle and twist it all up. You know, like well, 2 Corinthians 13 about the gifts of the spirit or whatever. They'll just twist it, or 11, 12, I mean. You know, they'll just twist it all up. Uh, or they'll take Hebrews, what is that, 6? Six, yeah. And just, uh, you know, mess it all up. So it's, Paul didn't mess it up. The men mess it up. Stupid men. And he even says so, Peter even said so, that uh, men take um, Paul's teachings out of context. Mm -hmm. He said some are hard to understand, but they'll take it and already twist it. So they're already twisting it while these guys were still alive. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine 2,000 years later what man has done with it. But we're going to go to the pure words of Jesus Christ, which nothing trumps. There's no epistle, no Pauline epistle, no letter by Peter, Jude, John, writer of Hebrews. Nothing will trump the words of God. Well, you know, and I, I think it's in Proverbs, I'm not sure, but where it says um, that God holds his word even, but even above his name. So... The word is the word. I mean, everything, we live by the word of God. Yeah. Every man shall live by the word, every word that comes out of God's mouth. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful point. So these are the words of God. Jesus was God. He is God. But at the time he was walking on the earth, he was God in a flesh suit. Purely, purely God. So everything he did, everything he said had specific, precise purpose, mm -hmm. everything, just like God the Father did, because he didn't do anything on his own. Mm -hmm. God the Father directed every word out of his mouth, every action. So this is what we're doing in our study called the Gospel of God. And we're going and using the Gospel of John, the book of John, the Gospel of John, according to uh, John, the Apostle, Apostle John. And we are finding those pure nuggets of the gospel of God. And what we're seeing here is there's no math. Mm -hmm. There's no addition. 
There's no adding. You have to do this and be baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or you have to go to our church. Um, and there's no subtraction either. There's no subtraction. It's a pure gospel of God. Um, it's no, hey, the church is essential, and it's essential for salvation. It's, it's essential for sinners to receive salvation mm-hmm. through the church. Um, that's not true. Only the belief in Jesus Christ is true, mm-hmm. right? You know, the other thing that I was just thinking how beautiful it is that the Son of God, who is the Logos, the Word of God, was walking, this, the actual Word and was in human flesh, walking the earth I know. and doing the Word. I mean, the Word was in action. Yeah. People could see the word in the action. Word in action. Like, I think that's kind of cool. It is. And then when he says, but yet you see me and you still don't believe. Once again, we're going to transport ourselves to the first century. We're walking where Jesus walked. And we're Jews. We're common Jews. We're not the Pharisees or the religious leaders. We're just the common guy. We're Israel in the first century. We have to put ourselves in that perspective of the audience, okay? We have hindsight now about what Jesus did and the cross and the resurrection. These folks didn't. Mm -hmm. So let's strip as much as we can that and try to understand exactly what they were seeing and feeling, okay? So uh, Ms. Kapow had already read these scriptures, but I wanna wanna focus on uh, verse two right now. It says, a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. And the reason why, it says, is because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. And the Jews were always looking for signs. Exactly. The Jews were always looking for a miraculous sign from, from God, um, you know, in order to believe. But I think what this is interesting is when you have, uh, today you have word of faith ministries or you have people like Benny Hinn who are quote-unquote faith healers and all that other nonsense. You know, people go to that to get healed or to get some miracle or something. They don't go there for God or to meet Christ. And nothing's changed. It happened here with Jesus. The huge crowd followed him because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. I would have done the same thing. Uh, if I let's put ourselves in that first century day, the first thing I would have done is I would have grabbed you, Miss Kapow, and you and I would have went and we would have got healing. Mm-hmm. We would have got physical healing, <laughs> regardless of the spiritual or whatever. We got to, and then I would have come back and I would have grabbed my neighbors, and then I would have told everybody else I know who had a physical ailment to come and see this rabbi and get healing, right? And so the the um, the motivation is is not so much to to know who he is or the Messiah, but to get that healing. And I think that's a real common human trait, but this is what we have today. So then um, we go to verse five and it says, um, then Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. This is important. It says, turning to Philip, he asked, go ahead, Ms. Kapow, read the words of Jesus. Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? In he was six. testing Philip, for he knew, already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we had worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money 
to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is it that we have this huge crowd? So, <laughs> this, is, this is amazing to me. So all these people are there. And um, Jesus sees this whole, huge, huge crowd and he turns to Philip. Now, don't, don't be bagging on Philip or Andrew. Because I'm going to prove to you that you are just as stupid. <laughs> you, would, you, you would say just as stupid things if you were there. So Jesus says, now check this out. Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Like I said, he doesn't say anything without specific purpose. Now, I want you to know, as Ms. Kapow knows, uh, when I was a um, police officer, I was I, one of my jobs was um, media relations. At one point, I was what you call a PIO, public information officer, and I dealt with the media. One of the things I learned in press releases and things like that is to use those five things of what you're talking about, when it's going to happen or when it occurred, where it's going to be, why you're doing it, and number five, how, or how it might benefit you or something like that, right? You want the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. And if you write a press release in those manner, or, or even anything, you'll cover all the bases and give people the information they need, right? Notice what Jesus asks. Where? where? That's not the right question. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's looking at 5,000 people. The question should have been, Philip, (laughs) how in the world are we going to do this? You got any suggestions? Uh, You got any ideas, Philip? How are we going to feed these people? Um, You don't need the what there. The what's already there. I have 5,000 people that I'm going to feed. You don't need the when. We need to feed them right now. You don't need the why. Well, they're hungry. And you don't need, he, he, he skips that. He goes right to a, the question that doesn't matter. Where are we going to buy food for all these people? It's a ridiculous question. What do you mean, where? We can't even do this. What are you, what are you talking about, where? where? You know, it's so Philip, being a natural human person, well, he doesn't know. It says here in verse 6 that Jesus was testing Philip. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was testing him. What, what do you think he was testing? He was testing his, his spiritual moxie. What, what, what's, he, what's he seeing in this? Okay? Now, how is he thinking? How is he thinking? Now, now, remember, these guys just got done seeing Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. And they went and went and bought bread. Here, master, and they came back and they see him talking to the Samaritan woman. And they go, here, come eat. You know, they bought bread to eat. And he says, I have food. I have bread. You know nothing of. He's telling the lady at the, at the well, there's living water. If you come to me, you'll never thirst again. You see, there, there were spiritual principles that he had been building on. So he was testing to see if these guys got it. And the word of God said that God does test the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. If, if 
Our Lord did this while walking in the flesh. This was his protocol walking in the flesh to test his disciples. He does it while sitting next to the Father in heaven. We still get this. Nothing's changed. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. We, we, still get, we still get our moxie pushed. We have to keep that in mind, right? And I'll show you later on about give us this day our daily bread and lead us not in temptation. It all flows. So he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. Christ already knew he was going to do. But then Philip's reply, Philip's reply doesn't, he doesn't answer the where. It's a crazy question. Where are we going to buy food? 5,000 people. Philip actually replied correctly. He says, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And uh, that's a denarius. Uh, they worked for months. They earned about a denarius a day. So you have over 5,000 people there. They would have to work for, you know, uh, I, th I think the King James says 200, you know, denarius who would take to, to feed them. So what does Philip answer? He answers the how. It, the how is it's not possible. It's not possible. Now, I had when I read this, Ms. Kapow, I had to ask myself, how, how, would, how would I answer it? You know what I mean? We would, all, all of us, having hindsight, would like to look at this and go, you know what I would have said? I would have said, but Lord, you are the bread of life. Those who eat of your bread and your flesh and drink of your blood and partake of you have living water and, and manna that lasts forever and they will never hunger or thirst anymore. You are the bread giver. And Jesus would have said, Bravo. Bravo, Brother Kapow, for for um, Brother uh, brother Kapow Bar, bar uh, Villanueva, for, for you have not received this on your own, right? And I would have went down as history as like the disciple who got it. You know, but that's BS. I wouldn't have answered that way. And I, and I really looked at this. And I'll tell you how I would have answered, because I'm a pragmatist. Here's how I would have answered Jesus when he said, where are we going to buy food for all these people? I would have said, Rabbi, number one, they chose to follow you here. It was their choice. They knew it was a journey, and they should have they should have, could have, would have had extra food and water with them. Rabbi, it's not our problem. As sad as it is, it's not our problem. So, so how about, here's what I suggest. Here's what I would have suggested to Jesus. Why don't you find, let's find who does have food. And those who do have food can maybe share with some of their neighbors uh, two or three people, and uh, it'll, it'll promote an atmosphere of sharing and love, and and then you can do your sermon, and we'll all sing kumbaya, and, and that's cool. That's what I would have suggested as a pragmatist. And those who didn't have food, well, it's not our fault. As sad as it is, it's their fault. They should have come prepared. That's why are we making this our problem, Lord? Do your sermon. Let's go. We got other. We, we're busy. That's how I would have answered. How would you have answered? A good question. Um, Doesn't like putting you on the spot, but no, no. I mean, I would look at all those people and I would say, "It's impossible to yeah. feed all these people." Yeah, 
you would just went right to the, like almost like Philip. It did, really, that's what Philip says. Mm-hmm. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Philip was saying the same thing. It's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not feasible, Lord. It's, yeah, we can't do this. You know, why are you asking me this stuff? How about you, listeners? What would you ask? You know, take, take a moment. Get out of your spiritual cloud. And what would you really have replied to Jesus at that time? What would you have said? Probably something very similar to, to us. See, with me, rather than tell him it's impossible, I would have tried to smooge him. You know, hey, it's not our fault. These guys have made their own choice. Let's put this beside us. What can we do? Let's just teach him and sing Kumbaya and move on. You know, you know, as his booking agent, that's how I would have tried to handle him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and then how, how about verse 8? Now, Philip, I think, gave a very realistic answer. Hey, hey we, we can't do this. But then Andrew comes out of left field like a nut bucket. And he speaks up. And in verse 9, he says what? There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? It's the same thing. It's impossible. I know. But, but what a goofball. Instead of, he just spokes up, but instead of saying, what do we do with such a large crowd? He, he says, but I found some insignificant kid with a couple of uh, some barley loaves and fish. Why would you even mention that? To me, it's like, okay, you're with Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob has a 1990 Toyota Silica. But Uncle Bob says, I want a $200,000 Lamborghini, right? So if you were Philip, you would tell Uncle Bob, dude, you're going to have to work 200 years before you can afford that car. You can't do it, right? But if you're Andrew, you just pipe up to Uncle Bob and go like this. You dig in your pockets and you go... I have a dollar and two quarters, but what good is that going to do towards a Lamborghini? Right. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Why do you Why do you even pull out a buck fifty when you're looking at a two hundred thousand dollar car? Mm-hmm. So you, so he's just really like, this is really crazy to even say that. <laughs> you know what does it matter? <laughs> so verse ten, Jesus says. Tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So that's not even including the children and the women. Mm -mm. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. This this is amazing because he's not feeding them just because they're hungry. This is an object lesson about bread, unlimited bread, miraculous bread. He is the bread. Later on, we'll see him emphasizing and emphasizing this. So he uses it as a huge object lesson, as a huge miracle. 
And um, so obviously they ate. Can you imagine? Everyone ate until they were full. It's like, I can't eat another. I can't eat another bite. I am, I am stuffed. I am stuffed. But then Jesus tells his disciples, gather what? The good bread, the stuff that I wasn't touched yet. We'll save it later. The scraps, the leftovers. Kind of like the remnants. The remnant. That's what I was thinking of. And, and, and so that nothing is wasted. Verse 13 is, is so they pick up the pieces, pieces, and they fill up 12 baskets with what? Scraps left by the people, left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. It doesn't, mine translates the same thing about the fish being preserved, just the bread. See that? Mm-hmm. I want you to picture Israel being the original partakers of the bread, the original eaters of it. And they're, they're taking bites. Oh, I'm so full. And they got like a quarter loaf in their hand. You know, they took a bite. Go, I can't take another bite. And they're putting it in the basket. It's scraps. But 12 baskets, which I think is pregnant, because you got 12 sons of Jacob, you got 12 apostles, and we know that the New Jerusalem is built on the foundation of those 12 apostles, that gospel, the gospel of God. But what's, what's, what are we getting? The, the Jerusalem will be, tram- will be trampled by the Gentiles until the end of the age of the Gentiles. It's not that our gospel or the stuff we got is scraps in that sense or trash, but we're grafted into that. We, we're not the original eaters of that. Israel is. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that, and we have to understand the gospel according to that. Mm-hmm. It goes back to... Um you know, the Israelites in uh, Exodus. Oh, absolutely. With the manna. Absolutely. That came down from heaven. Absolutely. And you're gonna, you'll see that because that's exactly where it goes. Good segue, Jerry. Verse 14. 14. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And here we go. This is what you're talking about. So... It's Deuteronomy 18.15, okay? So if you just click the asterisk of your deal, it'll put you right there. Because you already have it. And this passage in Deuteronomy, it says, Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. This is Moses speaking about Christ. Mm -hmm. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord your God anymore or see this blazing fire or we will die. Then the Lord said to me, what they've said is right. Verse 18, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth. And he will tell the people everything I command him. Remember, Jesus is always saying, Jesus is always saying, um, why won't you listen to me? Everything I say is from, is from the Lord, right? So verse 19 says, I will personally deal with anyone. Oh, this is scary. God says, I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf? If 
you don't listen to the messages of Jesus, the prophet that was to come, saying, I am from God, I am the bread, I'm the living water, I'm the way to salvation. No one comes to me except the Father draws you and gives you to me. Once you're mine, I keep you till that day that I resurrect you, right? Mm -hmm. God says, I personally deal with anyone who will not listen to that message. These are people who reject the gospel of God. You understand that? People who reject the gospel of God. These are not the people, well, who don't pay their tithes or don't go to church or don't, you know, follow the preacher online. These are people who reject the gospel of God. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then he says, but any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name, and there's many of them today, or who speaks in the name of another God, you may wonder, how uh, do we know that the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prophecy or his prediction does not happen, which 99.9% of the clowns out here, it don't happen. You know that um, I didn't give him that message and he spoke without my authority and you don't have to uh, fear him, okay? okay? And then the other passage there about a prophet uh, coming is Malachi 4, 5. Uh, Malachi 4, 5. And it says, Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Right? Because we're in the age of the Gentiles now, folks. And that's going to end. And then it says, His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. All right? See, but that is also in the New Testament with um, yes. John the Baptist. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. And that's why when they asked Jesus, is John the Baptist, Elijah, he says, and then, well, John says, oh, I'm not, I'm not. But Jesus says he was. If you understand that, he was. He's, he's preparing the way before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Once Christ came, did his work, we're in the age of the Gentiles, we're trampling the things of God because we were stupid. You know, we don't come from the Jews. We don't come from Israel. We, we weren't the original chosen ones. You know, arrogant men like to think they're all that, but we're not. And we're only saved by grace, by Christ. So let's just relax in that. Just, just relax, Highlander. <laughs> and, um, and when that's over, we have eternal life, right? It's good, huh? So verse 15 said, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, then he slipped away to the hills by himself. So let's skip over Jesus walks on water because we're looking for the, uh, the gospels. And let's go to verse 22 where Jesus is still continuing the bread of life theme. Okay. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread, and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So 
Verse 26 is important. I tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. This is God talking. I tell you the truth. So we need to perk up and listen. No word is ever wasted. There's no word that's just a word. Everything has precise meaning. He, he tells this crowd, that would be you and I in the first century, following around because of the miracles, you want to be with me because I fed you, physically fed them, not because you understood the miraculous signs. See, hindsight, we go, the miraculous sign was pointing to him being the unending bread of life. He's, he's the bread of life, just like the, the living water. Now, he didn't perform a sign with the Samaritans. They just believed his word mm-hmm. about the living water. Uh, but these people were only following because, like, we could eat every day. <laughs> this, this guy heals us, and he feeds us. You see the difference between... Their motive. Yeah. And, and the people we see today, what do they do? They're just feeding people crap, the candy, the sugar, the junk, the prophecies. They're making them feel good, motivational speakers. That's why they have thousands and thousands of people following them for the benefits that they get down here, never realizing that the real miracle worker is your eternal salvation, the gospel of God. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Verse 27 just reminds me of the uh, the bird feeders. The, yes. The, the message the Lord had given you about the bird feeders. The, he said you give them um, nutritious food, the word of God. Migraine. The migraine that I give you, you give to my birds, and my flock. The other one was giving them, you know, non-nutritious foods and um, sugary stuff mm-hmm. that made them sick, didn't fill them up. Yeah. And this is kind of like this, too. Mm-hmm. And they were dying. In my vision, those other birds were dying. But there was thousands of them there, yeah, there attracted to the sugar, them. and they were dying. My birds had just a few, but they were fat and robust and healthy. You know? But you can see that in the world today, you know, the mega churches. Yeah. And then the message that they... Um, they share is nothing but a lot of fluff. Mm-hmm. And during, and during this time of pandemic, when these churches are closed, many people are are getting they're sick, and they don't know what to do. Uh, they're they're so rooted in this in this world and in this society and what's going to happen, and they're so rooted and they're so non eternally minded, and they haven't been taught correctly that that now their whole system has fallen apart and they don't know what to do. They, they're just, they don't know what to do. They're spiritually sick. Mm-hmm. Verse 27. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. Okay, bing, 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 gospel of God right here. Verse 27. Mm-hmm. Gospel of God. What did I just get done talking about? Not being earthly, so earthly minded and tied up with this pandemic and your 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 church is closed and uh, you don't know what to do. Jesus, I didn't make this up. Jesus just said this. Right after I said it, we read it. But don't be so concerned about perishable things. Mm-hmm. Because they're temporal. They're temporal. You know, you enjoy this life as much as you can. You have to live here. You do things. You have to earn a living and stuff. But don't be so locked up in this journey, in this sojourn, that you cannot see who you really are 
in Christ. And then in Colossians 3, 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Man. Right? Nailed it. Paul just took it and just fleshed it out for us, didn't he? That's bam. That's, That's exactly what it. Jesus says, you know, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things that you need for this world that the Father already knows that we need will be supplied. Those will be added. Yeah. It's a biblical, biblical principle. Let's not be wrapped up with this stuff. Jesus says, spend your energy, what? Seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. So rather than be all wrapped up down here in this pandemic and what are we in and all screwed up. And the Christians are just as bad as the non-Christians right now. Mm-hmm. Should I wear a mask? I don't wear a mask. Should I defy the government? Uh, or should I obey Romans uh, uh, 13 and 2 Peter? Or do I say that I'm being persecuted and I got to obey God rather than man? And do I follow John MacArthur? Or do I... Comply, uh, do I, you know, and you're, they're so wrapped up in these things that they are missing the eternal mindset. And um, what will happen is they're just causing stress and strife and boiling over for themselves down here because they're just too wrapped up down here. We got scripture after scripture saying, let this place go. Really be eternal minded. Okay, listen to verse 28. Listen to what the crowd tells them. Here's what they asked Jesus. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Stop. So he's just got, he just gets done telling them the gospel. I am sent from God. I have God's approval. That's why I do these miraculous signs. I give eternal life. Don't be concerned about perishable food. Blah, blah, blah. And then what do they say? They're like Andrew with the with the buck with the buck fifty in the pocket mm-hmm. and the Lamborghini uh, dealer going. I don't think this is enough, but you know, they're like that. They go, they go. Well, 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 well. We we want to perform God's works too. What, what should we do? How, how how do we do what you do? And then we never have to work again, or or, or you'll pick grapes or, or or harvest the wheat. We could just feed ourselves through miracles. This is all he. This is all he wanted. Now, now listen. The twenty nine is the pure gospel of God. This is this is this is pure without any addition, without any math to your salvation or subtraction. This is right from God. Verse twenty nine. Here's what Jesus tells them. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one He has sent. Period. Period. Read that again. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Okay. And who's that? That's Jesus Jesus Christ. (laughs) Who sent him? God the Father. God the Father. Do you believe that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Guess what? That's the end of your work. Everything else you do is a result of that belief. But to impress God... 
here's what God wants you to do. What God's, if you, if you knew that, here, here's, what does God want me to do? Here's, here's what God wants you to do. Believe in his son that he sent. That's the end. All, everything else you do is, is not going to impress him. <laughs> That's the result of the belief of this. Mm-hmm. You see how clean that is? There's, there's nothing else in there about, oh, I got to get baptized in water. Uh, I've got to attend so many communions a week. I've got to not forsake the assembly of the saints, like Paul said. Forsake not. I, I heard over and over this week how that's a command. We're commanded to assemble. I don't think so. I don't think so. In fact, I know we're not. Here's the gospel of God. This is the only, only, O-N-L-Y, fools. Hey, foolish men, only one work, and that's to believe in the one he has sent. Everything else, you're adding to the gospel of God. And the book of Revelation says those who add to this book shall put all the curses on themselves of this book. So it be. I'm dead serious here, folks. I am freaking serious here. Do not add to the gospel of Christ. Don't listen to these clowns trying to get you back under a building. If you want to you want to go as a pure heart, that's different. But do not do it because you think it's part of your salvation or that you're earning brownie points. Okay? There's many churches out there that are that are being creative. My sister has goes to a church in California and they can't they're restricted. They can't meet. They can't blah, 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 all this stuff. But you can meet outside. So they took their services outside. I think tomorrow's going to be like the third week they're doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. They took it outside. By the second week, they were triple the attendance they normally had. God gave the increase. And one thing my sister really, she put, she put out was amazing. She says, now the whole neighborhood can hear the gospel of Christ. Right. It was about the gospel of Christ. It wasn't about singing and entertaining and putting on a show or anything. It was about the gospel of Christ. And they took it. They rented a stage with a with a, an awning. Now, they live in California. The weather's pretty mild. We couldn't do that here in Nevada. It's, in fact, right now it's already about 110 degrees at you know 11 o'clock in the morning. And if Jesus be lifted up, he will draw all, draw all men, men to him. Yeah. Absolutely. You lift up Christ. Go outside. Lift up Christ. They had three. And guess what? They totally comply with the government directives. Mm-hmm. They, they don't bring any beshmearing to the name of God, yet they can still gather. They can still not forsake the assembling of the saints. They can still worship. They can still fellowship. And they're all being obedient according to Romans 13 and 2 Peter. They find ways. Why are they being creative and some churches can't be creative? I think, personally, it's the motive of the heart. If you want to preach the gospel, you'll find ways to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. just want money and numbers, you're going to be stuck in your own paradigm. Yeah, because God will make a way, you know? Yeah. These things. Well, it's like with the what we were just reading about, the, the bread mm-hmm. and feeding the, the multitude. Um, the Bible says... With man, it's impossible, but yeah. all things are possible with God. Yeah. Amen. So then verse 30, the, the crowd gets even stupider. They keep going down the stupid road even more. And we could, I can say that 
because I have hindsight. If I was there with him, I would be going down the stupid road too because it'd be stupid. So <laughs> first they, three. they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? And he had just <laughs> given them, he had just fed them. He just fed over 5,000 people with, with five loaves and a couple of fish. And they have to pick up the remnant and the baskets, and they're going, well, if, if what you're saying you want to believe, show us a sign. What else can you do? Hello? Hello, dull and retarded first century Jewish people. Um, verse 31. It says, for after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread, from heaven to eat. Now, I this I struggle with verse 31 because I don't know if they're saying this snarky, like, we just seen you feed 5,000 people. But after all, Moses did the same thing. So give us something different, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, make, make the sun dance around, you know, and spill like a, a bouncing ball heaven. So I, you know what I mean? So I don't know if they're being snarky or I, I don't know. But I think it's interesting that they would bring that up. I, I think they're being like, I, I, we understand that you just fed over 5,000 of us with just a little bit of stuff. However, even Moses did that. We need, we need something else if we're going to believe you're greater than Moses. That's how I read it. I, 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 may, not, I may be wrong. Yeah, and I, you know, the way I look at it as well is that um, this is actually showing them that Jesus is the prophet that was um, prophesied during Mo that, that time with Moses. Absolutely. That he, that this is the one that Moses prophesied over. Absolutely. It did us what it's showing him. Yeah. Now, if we go to Exodus, the, the asterisk there will take you right to Esther, uh, Exodus under eat. Yeah. Um, Exodus 16, verse 4 through 6. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. I found this really fascinating because... because Jesus, when they say that, Jesus answers them and they go, no, Moses didn't bring down, Moses didn't give you anything from heaven. My father did. You go to the original scriptures, which they should have known. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. I want you to think of the Lord's prayer or the disciples' prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and lead us not in temptation. I want you to think about this when I read this. Each day the people can go out, each day, right? Give us our day, our daily bread, our daily manna. Each day they can go out and pick as much as they need for that day. But here's what it says, I will test him to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. The Lord taught the disciples to prayer, and one of it was, give us this day our daily bread. Just like this, manna from heaven daily and lead us not into testing or into proving, but deliver us from the evil one. 
I never saw that before. But I think that disciples' prayer is hearkening right back to this incident. Because guess what? They didn't listen. They kept screwing up, even, even though God gave them the command. Mm-hmm. I like that verse 5 where it says, On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as, as usual. usual. And that's the scraps that were left over and put into the baskets. Bam. It's... <laughs> Right? Can you see this? Yeah. So actually, Jesus was showing them, hey, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'm and yet you're guy. asking for more stuff. I'm that guy. It's If you understood Moses, you would understand me. That's why he kept telling that to the Pharisees. You would understand that. How about verse 6? So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the reason why I did this is because they kept complaining against the Lord. They were complaining, I don't have enough to eat. I don't have anything, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, it's amazing. That's a study within itself, sorry. It's a study within himself. And I love, you know, the whole tying in the Lord's Supper, not the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer with that. Give us our bread. Give us our daily bread. But no more. Just what we need. And lead us not into testing, but deliver us from the evil. No, what Christ's saying is like, give us the mindset to obey you. Just obey you. That's all we have to do is listen and do that and we'll be okay. We will have enough. If you read that story in Exodus, it's beautiful. It says no matter what size family it was, how big or how small, what they gathered was just enough for everybody. No matter how much. They could have went out and gathered a whole bunch, but it was just enough. Those and they were told not to keep it the next day. And when they did, the next day it had maggots and stunk. But yet on the sixth day when they gathered twice the amount, the next day it was still fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite amazing stuff. And, and the manna filed to earth, figured the bread of life coming from heaven to earth. I mean, it's just everything's pregnant with pointing to Jesus Christ. And, yet, and it tasted like honey. Like honey, yes. Yet that only sustained them until they got into the promised land. Um it is just, it's just heavy stuff. The gospel of God is deep, yet the requirements are simple. Believe in the Son. Uh, how about 32 says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. See that? How it's related to the manna. My father rained down bread to feed you, and now he's raining down bread again. It's the true bread, and that I'm it, mm-hmm. from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, gospel message. God's gospel right here in its purest sense. Is there any addition to it? No, is there any math? Jesus says the true bread of God is the one, which is himself, who comes down from heaven and what? Gives life, life to, to the, the world. world. That's, that's it. You want eternal life. You want to live eternally. You must believe that Jesus Christ was sent by Father God from heaven to do that work. And what they didn't know there is that he was going to sacrifice his body as the bread. That's what he says. When you eat of my body, you eat of that sacrifice. And his spilt blood was that commune. You drink of that. In other words, you, you're baptized in Christ. When you believe that, 
When you when you really believe Jesus Christ was God on the, on the earth and he did all this stuff to save my soul, you are saved and you're saved and you always will be saved and you're truly saved and he will not lose one that the father gives him. That's when you see all these people going sideways and they're losing their salvation. They're not saved in the first place because it's impossible. It's the will of God. It's the will of God that that one that God gives to Christ is sustained until he's resurrected. That's what God says. That's not what man says. That's what God says. Okay? And then here's what the crowd answers back after all of this. They say, Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. What do they want? Spiritual bread, eternal life, or, or physical? Physical bread. They want chow. Sir, give us Subway every day. I love the number six, the black forest ham. Hold the pickles and put a couple of extra mushrooms on that bad boy. Right? Mm -hmm. Every day, can I have some cheese? So Jesus replies and says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's the gospel of God. Is there any math in here? Mm -mm. No. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. This is the reverse gospel of God. If you don't believe in him, you're not going to get the eternal salvation. These people, and let's put ourselves there in the first century, even though you're seeing him, you're not quite believing it. Sad. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Let's, let's really... Let's really get this in our souls. Everybody listening, let's get verse 37 down deep. Let's anchor it, okay? Here's, here's Jesus, the Son of God, who we believe in for eternal life, right, saying this. There's no adding, no subtracting from this saying. This is gospel truth. He says, however... Those the Father has given me will come to me. Let me stop right there. Have you come to him? Mm -hmm. Yes. You listening on Kapow Show, have you come to Christ? I'm seeing your head shaking yes, because I don't think you'd be listening to the Kapow Show if you hadn't. Why would somebody who was not a follower of Christ listen to a show called Kingdom Against Powers of Wagner? You just wouldn't. You just wouldn't. So if you've come to Christ, how did you come to Christ? On your own free volition? No. The Father gave, this is beautiful. Check this out. The God, the Father God gave you, Miss Kapow, to his son Jesus. That negates every single lie that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. I'm starting to preach. <laughs> Look it. However, those the Father has given me will come to me. Have you come to him? Mm -hmm. Yes. You know why? Because the Father gave you to him. And then he says what? And I will never reject them. 
So will Christ ever go, oh, I don't want this guy. I don't want this guy. He was a heroin addict. I don't want her. She, well, she had abortions, right? That's never going to happen. This is the gospel of God. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me and not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. Okay, this has to be anchored to. Verse 37, anchor it in your soul that God has sent you to the, to the Son and he will never reject you because if you came to the Son, it's only because the Father drew you to him. Anchor verse 39 into your soul as well. What is the will of God? The will of God is that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. So you're talking the Father God, the Creator God, there is none higher, there is no greater authority or source ever, ever would, I mean, he's God. And you have 100% proof that his will, you don't have to pray, God, is it your will that I be sustained? You have 100% proof right here that it is his will that Jesus Christ should not lose even one of the souls that the Father gave him. And it's also God's will that the Son will rise up in the last day and resurrect you or rapture you if you happen to be alive at that moment of resurrection. Is that incredible? Yes. There's nothing added to that. That's the pure gospel. That's it. Anything else that adds to that or says something else is from Satan. It's a lie from the demons, and it must be dismissed. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at that Last day. This is very, it's almost like he repeats verse 39. Mm -hmm. It just rewords it. It's the will of God. I shouldn't lose any, not even one of them that he's given me, and I'll raise them the last day. And then he repeats it with different words. It, it's my Father's will that all who see his Son, right, and believe in him. doesn't mean physically see him. Mm -hmm. you, you, under, you perceive him, and you believe in that should have eternal life. Is it God's will that you have eternal life if you believe in Christ? Well, yeah, there's no question about it. And then he says, I will raise them up on the last day. Okay, here's stupid people again, verse 41. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. That's just like verse 37 and 39. Three times he says it. Go on. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. And that's Isaiah 54, 13. It says, I will teach all your children and they will enjoy great peace. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. 
I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Okay, stop right there. Verse 47, John 6, verse 47. The gospel of God in its purest, unadulterated, unmathematical form. I tell you the truth. This is truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. And yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. And I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. So he's referring to his crucifixion, his sacrifice to God for your deal. Yeah. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So all of that is pure gospel of God. I didn't stop you on any of that stuff because everything he's saying is the gospel of God. It's real clear. You want eternal life, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the one that the Father sent for that. And then what happened after he said this? Here's stupid people in verse 60, and let's take it all the way down to the end. Many of his disciples said, this is a very hard un- to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. There it is again. That's the fourth time it's reiterated. Verse 37, verse you know, 40 and 49. Yeah, here it is. Father's got to give them to him. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Wow. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Mm. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve who would later betray him. That ends chapter 6. Isn't that just... It's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
wonderful and amazing. The simple gospel of God. Do you have anything to add, Ms. Capan? No. No? No. Could give a chow. Chow, please.